This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. How would you define a country? I want you to think about that for just a moment. How would you define a country. Let it settle in for just a moment. Because our president has one view, and you and I might have another. In fact, the very definition of a country has largely changed over the past couple of years. According to World Atlas, by definition, a country refers to a territory with its own borders and total sovereignty. But in modern times, this meaning has changed such that the word may be used to refer to several different options. Maybe that's what Joe Biden had in mind when he decided to, well, make deported illegals eligible for citizenship. U.S. Border Patrol agents in the Ote Mountain Wilderness in San Diego sector were there Under a new Biden administration policy, illegal aliens who are deported from the United States no longer are forced to wait outside the country for up to 10 years before applying for legal status. The law was meant to deter people from trying to live in the country illegally, said the Washington Times. Previously, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services would have denied any application for legal status under the so-called three-year, ten-year rule. That meant that anyone with legal status for at least six months but less than a year had to depart and wait three years before applying to come back legally. And anyone in the country illegally for more than a year had to wait ten years. In other words, you had to proceed according to law and be respectful. Emilio Gonzalez, who headed the department during the George W. Bush administration, said that the new Biden protocol is like the Clinton administration policy, don't ask, don't tell. Under that 1990s policy, military applicants were told were not to be asked about their sexual orientation. We won't ask you where you've been during your inadmissible period and you don't tell us. It's sheer craziness, he said. Well, this new Department of Homeland Security policy states, quote, non-citizens location during the statutory three-year or 10-year period and the non-citizens manner of return to the United States during the statutory three-year or 10-year period are irrelevant for purposes of determining inadmissibility. Robert Law who led the policy office for the Trump administration, told the Washington Times that the policy is basically an invitation for any deported alien to pay the cartels to smuggle them back into the U.S. while they let the clock run out. The Times said the policy will apply retroactively. That means migrants previously denied can file motions to reopen their cases. 
So the question in this article is, is Joe Biden intentionally destroying the United States of America? Well, that's on the country level. How about the church level? We can see it, we can understand it, we can react to it on the country level, but have we perceived that the very same kind of thing has been happening for 40 to 50 years in our churches? That's right. Whether you want to call it the dissing of grace, whatever you want to call it, it's everybody's in. Just welcome them all in. If they want to come in, welcome them all in. On what basis? Well, it doesn't matter because we want them in. Joe Biden wants the people in, the so-called migrants or immigrants, whatever you want to call them, illegals. He wants them in for several reasons. One, he wants to build up the Democrat voting establishment. Number two, he wants to provide inexpensive, cheaper labor to do the work that Americans don't want to do. So why not bring new people into our churches to do the work that, well, the people that have been there don't want to do? And they don't want to believe, they just want to be there and feel part of the church. That is exactly what has been happening for the past 40 to 50 years. I've watched it from coast to coast. You can pick up the vibes of that in the writings that come from pastors and people, leaders even in our denominations. The whole spirit of welcoming people in that are not eligible to be there is part of our problem. So we have churches that are absolutely filled with people that profess to be Christians but have never been converted. They have never come in legally, so to speak. They're not people whose hearts have been dramatically changed through confession of sin, through conversion by the Holy Spirit, and are walking in the spirit of truth. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man will come to the Father but by me. But how is that? How do you get in? You don't get in because you say you want in. You get in because you're eligible to be considered in. So what makes a person eligible to be considered in? in the body of Christ. You see, a lot of that is implicit in the epistles. The epistles by the Apostle Paul and Peter and so on, they reveal that to be in, you can't be out. In other words, you cannot live according to the world and claim to be in. So you can't live as a illegal or as a a migrant coming in and out and claim to be part of the country, neither can you be of the same ilk, not converted in spirit, not forgiven of your sin, not even talking about sin anymore. Just like we don't want to talk about illegals, 
We don't want to talk about sin. No, we just make mistakes, right? We just make mistakes. So our language has been destroyed, perverted intentionally, so as to, what should we say, grease the skids for people to come in illegally, both into the country and into the church. Is it any wonder, then, that we see exactly the same characteristics socially on the issues of our time among the professing Christian community that we see in the world? It's not a mystery. We're just letting in illegals. And we're also saying that those who come in legally don't have to obey the law. They don't have to obey what God says. They can do their own thing. What a country. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, we're taking a look at what it means to have a country and what it means to be part of the church, not your church, but the church of Jesus Christ. You see, you can become part of your church and still not be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? You can think yourself to be part of a particular congregation. You can go there. You can uh, give from time to time. You can serve. You can do all kinds of things and still not be a true member of the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you haven't met his requirements. That's why you're an illegal. You're a wannabe citizen of the kingdom of God, but you're not actually a citizen of the kingdom of God unless the terms are changed to modify what Jesus and the apostles have said, what makes a person a member of the body of Christ. It's not just a matter of a confession. Many, many an illegal will claim that they're a citizen. They'll claim that they've been here for 10 years or whatever. They'll claim whatever they want to claim, but it doesn't mean they're a citizen. They're a citizen only by becoming a citizen according to the laws that govern the country. And those laws reflect the sovereignty of the country. So what laws, what rules, what uh, understanding reflects the sovereignty of Jesus Christ in his church? Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, you make disciples. We've decided to uh, build churches, but we haven't done a very good job of making disciples by the admission of many, including Billy Graham. 
In other words, we've tried to create a system to allow people to get into the country or into the church without actually doing it God's way. We tried to make it easy, just like Joe Biden has tried to make it easy. He has his reasons, and we've had our reasons. And the reasons that Joe Biden gives and the Democrat Party gives are very similar to the reasons that our churches give and our pastors give to welcome everybody in. Why? They want to build more people into their congregations to put more money in the plates and to enable them to bear witness to the denominational authorities or anyone else for fundraising purposes uh, to say, well, my church has this many members and my church has that many members. No, it's not your church, my friend. That's our problem. We think it's our church. If it's our church, if it's your church, then you have absolute sovereignty over that church. On the other hand, if it's God's church, if it's Christ's church, then he has absolute sovereignty. So which is it? This is very hard for us to get our minds and hearts around, but the reality of this is that we have actually ushered in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people into our churches, particularly in America, that are not true followers of Christ. Or they believe in God. They may even believe in Jesus. But they just don't obey him. They don't believe that Jesus is actually sovereign. No, they believe they're sovereign. And therefore, they can do what they jolly well please, whatever their feelings lead them to do, just like the illegal immigrants. They have all the reasons in the world why they should come and enter the country. And we're not faulting them for wanting to come into the country. Overall, historically, it's been a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. But interestingly, in the church, which was supposed to be a glorious country, so to speak, it's becoming so watered down in terms of the relationship between Christ's standard for his church and the standards we have for our congregations that, in fact, oftentimes there's very little resemblance other than a few words. Because if you'll remember, Jesus said the standard for walking with him and being blessed by him and the Father is obedience. In John chapter 14, four times, he repeats the same thing. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't love me, you won't. But if you love me and keep my commandments, I and my Father will manifest ourselves to you. The beloved disciple John says, remember, this is the love of God, that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You say that's legalism. No, that's not legalism. It's only legalism to you if you are resistant to the sovereignty of God and to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ as the captain of our salvation. You see, it's the attitude of the heart. 
This kind of discussion has been so needful for a long time in our churches. But the problem is that pastors put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. And so the temptations are great. Believe me, the temptations are great. To follow the same kinds of thinking that are prevalent in the culture and to bring more and more people in when they're not actually qualified to be there. At least to be considered part of Christ's church. A true follower of Jesus Christ will be an obedient follower of Jesus Christ and will not make excuses for why they are not. And will not look to other people to define what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They will look solely to the Scripture. The whole Scripture, not just a few favorite verses. Not just a verse that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family shall be saved. No, it's more than that. Even the devil believes in God, my friends. To believe from the Scripture's viewpoint, which is a Hebraic viewpoint, is to be is to place your entire trust and confidence in God and his word, notwithstanding what the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the president, the potentate, the, the, uh, the pastor, the pope, or the politician says. doesn't matter what they say. The only thing that matters is what God has said. So what has he said? Well, he defines it in his word. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you, say, over a period of 30 days, spent quality time every day in the Word of God? I'm not talking about turning to the Psalms and reading a a psalm. I'm talking about quality time, seriously seeking what God's viewpoint is on the issues of life. I'm not talking about looking for loopholes. There's no such thing as loophole Christianity. If you are a loophole Christian, you're not a Christian because you're not submitted to the sovereignty and authority of God through Jesus Christ. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a legitimate citizen in the United States unless you are willing to submit to the sovereignty and authority of law in America, starting with the Constitution. The same is true in the church. The Bible is the most fundamental constitution of all. We can scream and holler about how people don't want to follow the Constitution, but why is it we're not equally concerned about people following the more important and eternal Constitution called the Word of God? Notice it's not called a word of God. It's called the word of God. Now, that having been said, 
and, and I hope it's computing somewhere out there among pastor and people alike, because if we don't get a handle on this in the church, if our pastors do not gain some holy boldness and insight with regard to this, the majority of the people in our congregations are going to be seduced by the New World Order and its promises. Because this New World Order is seducing people and prepared to seduce all on this planet into a new sovereign government that is worldwide. It's a mixture of ancient Egypt, governed by Pharaoh, of Babylon, and uh, it's 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 a it's an amazing amount and of ancient Rome. It's an amalgamation of all of these, rolled into one. And people will want to belong because of the perks that are going to come with it, or at least the promise perks. Like Klaus Schwab has said, you'll own nothing and be happy about it. So if we're not preparing people to understand what it really means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ in his country, his kingdom, people will be drawn to the New World Order. And it's happening very rapidly. It's moving very, very rapidly in that direction. Even the mandate for uh, control, control of every in every single way, Jesus said, if you'll continue in my word, you'll have life. He also said, if you continue in my word, you'll be, uh, you will be made free. Not set free, made free. It will make you free as you follow it. Do you know what's happening to freedom in America and in our world? It's going the way of rebellion against Christ's authority. It's just, it's just not a mystery. Now, we're going to talk a little bit in the second half of the program here about this fatal virus that is sweeping uh, our world. It has been sweeping our world for about 50 years now. And uh, it is gaining such momentum that it is actually the the virus itself has redefined what is normal, what is acceptable, both in and out of the church. I call this fatal virus political correctness. That's a common name for it. It's a moral and spiritual disorder that infects the heart and the mind, it impairs and eventually neutralizes our ability to discern truth. It's systemic, friends. It's a systemic virus. 
You see, truth and virtue were once part and parcel of what it meant to be an American. We know that. We've talked about that here on this program. Among the most popular lyrics of the Battle Hymn of the Republic were the words, His truth is marching on. Yet in these days, it might be more accurate to say, His truth is marching on by. Because we don't much like His truth, not only in the country, but in the church. And as we watch His truth pass by, the battle for some sense of moral rightness and biblically anchored direction becomes increasingly intense. And it's becoming especially acute for professing followers of Christ. And that's our audience here. It's not the world. It's the church. God's warmest audience that isn't too warm anymore. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. I recently received a communication from a first-time listener uh, indicating uh, their uh, concern and disappointment with the fact that we talk so specifically about things that God says he hates and things that God says he loves. In fact, this particular listener said, look, you talked a lot about divorce uh, and remarriage in a particular segment, so um, if you didn't do that, he said, you could have a lot more listeners. Well, of course we could have a lot more listeners. That's exactly the problem. That's why we do what we do here. That is radically different than what else is out there, according to our listeners. We're daring to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and not compromise by trying to carve away the keen edges of the Word of God. The moment we start doing that for ulterior motives, like getting a larger audience, is the moment we have already become leaders in the compromise that is destroying the church and its ministry. Hate to put it so bluntly. I understand what people's thinking is. I once had a dear friend who said to me over lunch, he said, Chuck, don't say it that way. Say it some other way. Say it real nice. Say it real sweet. Well, we're not mean-spirited here on this program. 
Very few people have ever accused yours truly of being mean-spirited, ugly, argumentative. No, we're not, we don't do that here. That's not what we're about. But we are here about delivering the truth as true, not to be equivocated with, not to be danced around, not to be taken as okayed, but rather as obeyed. It's simple. Very simple. It's not complex at all. It's, it, it, it's so simple that Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you can't even see the kingdom of God. So what do we try to do? We try to make it complex. We try to rationalize. We try to uh, find all kinds of different ways to change the language, to change the words, to make things sound like other than what they really are, so that we can make everybody feel comfortable. That's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to bring conviction, not comfort. The comfort comes when we yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and respond in humility, in repentance, and then the wonderful restoration of fellowship and joy in the Holy Spirit comes forth. So the Apostle Paul said the kingdom of God is not is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Notice the very first word he said is righteousness, because without righteousness, from God's viewpoint, there is no real joy and peace. You have to conjure it up. It's artificial. All right, that having been said, for those of you who are in Massachusetts and Connecticut, again, I want to extend the uh, invitation to you come August 13th, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning till about 1130. We are going to have another one of our wonderful breakfasts for our listeners in that broad area of the country where we have had listeners for, oh, I don't know now, uh, 22 years. 22 years at least. And so... I want to give you an opportunity to join us because uh, I believe there are a whole lot of new listeners up there. We're on three different stations up there now, and uh, I, I want you to have the opportunity to participate with so many others in this wonderful time of breakfast together. In order to do that, you're going to have to make your reservation. You should do it as soon as possible. Be, you, you don't want to be left out, so... What you do, you go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org, and you're going to go to the the bookstore resources, and that's where you're going to uh, reserve your breakfast. You might want to seriously consider uh, bringing a friend, bringing a relative, bringing your spouse, uh, bringing several others. Introduce them to the program that way. I I just cannot overstate to you what a wonderful time these breakfasts are. This will be 8th or ninth, maybe 10th. I've lost count. So, again, the website, saveus.org, or uh, you could give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. But we would prefer that you go to the website uh, and make that order immediately. Okay, 
Or you can write to us, by the way, at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Cost of the breakfast, $29 a piece. It's a full breakfast. We don't make any money on these. And uh, it's, it's a time of blessing for everyone. By the way, we'll bring all of our resources, including all of my books, including the brand new book that will is coming out August 1st called Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. And those who order that book before August 1st will receive an autographed copy of that book. You can do that. Write to us at Save America Ministries. You can go to the website, saveus.org. You can call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Uh, if you're writing a check at $5 for postage handling, the title of the book is Messiah. Just say Messiah. And uh, I can almost guarantee you've never read anything like it. It's going to open your, your eyes to the real issues that are taking place that are going to deceive people from actually recognizing Jesus as Messiah. Already are. It's amazing. Just amazing. Wait till you read it. All right. So we're talking about this fatal virus. <clears throat> political correctness, that's its most common name. The, uh, the concept of political correctness became so common that it even took on its own acronym, PC. So the use term PC actually replaced personal computer that it originally meant. So... You could be confused. It, it doesn't mean personal computer anymore. For the most part, it means political correctness. But, but what's this political correctness all about? It's about confusion. So a functional definition of the term political correctness might be speech that conforms to my perception of what is most generally acceptable among the most vocal people in politics, religion, business, society, and elsewhere, so as to most likely avoid being made to feel I am not part of the mainstream. How do you like that? I'm going to share that definition with you again. Speech that conforms to my perception of what is most generally acceptable among the most vocal people in politics, religion, business, society, and elsewhere, so as to most likely avoid being made to feel I am not part of the mainstream. Now, when we were kids, teen, uh, teenagers, we used to call it peer pressure. But that's what's happening now on steroids. It's become virtually a cultural mandate for all in the so-called democratic Western world. So what are the practical, identifiable symptoms of this moral and spiritual virus? What do you think they are? Well, here are two very pr predominant manifestations. The first is the inability to clearly distinguish truth and right from wrong. And the second would involve unfortunate mutations of what used to be our common language. Now, if you were to go back uh, to 1952, Webster's Dictionary, the word gay meant excited and full of mirth. 
In a much smaller edition dated 1987, 25 years later, a second meaning was added, homosexuality. So when was the last time you used the word gay to describe a happy and mirthful person? You wouldn't dare do it, would you? Because it would be total confusion. You see what's happened? You have been co-opted by this virus. It's systemic. So, our moral and spiritual roots clearly establish sexual relations between a husband and wife of the opposite sex as the norm. That's the moral standard. Homosexuality, the practice of it, is therefore immoral. The very word conveys that sense. So if that's the case, people said, well, let's just change the word. Let's call it gay. And in so doing, we're going to subtly reshape the public's perception of truth. So if you have any doubt that that was the change in term was strategic, if it was not, then why does the gay movement shun the word homosexual? No. Words matter, friends. Words matter. The mere changing of terms often changes also our moral point of reference and our spiritual point of reference. It dilutes or strips away the stark truth and muddies the waters of reason, of perception, of our reality, and nobody can divide... Uh, deny the effect in America and the world today. It's been engineered, engineered deception. So if you talk about that and you use the word homosexual or sodomizer, you are then referred to as a homophobe and a bigot. Notice the words now change the morality and the spirituality even in our churches have you ever considered what the early church was like many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as christians a recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of america's churches in frustration What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The invasion of political correctness into the life of professing believers in Christ can be traced to two primary sources. One, the church increasingly wanting to conform to the ways of the world for acceptance. 
And number two, pastors and parachurch leaders desiring to promote secondary agendas for personal and alleged ministry purposes. The same kind of reasoning that has been used by the world to change the culture through political correctness. We can call this new term applied to the church religious correctness that defiles both our message and our methods. And it's always used and justified in the name of accomplishing some spiritual purpose. For instance, the word grace is no longer God's favor and enabling power to do what we ought, but has been redefined in the alleged grace awakening as God's willingness to overlook our sin and justify our doing what we want. So the new grace has actually dissed true grace and has become disgrace. Can you see this? It's, it's fueled the heresy of what is called, here's a big 50 cent word, maybe it's a $50 word these days, antinomianism. It means against law, against God's law. Lawlessness now abounds with a vengeance in God's own house, just as Christ and his apostles foretold that it would. So why have we done this? Well, it appears more loving, more inclusive, and we believe it will help us grow our churches and reach the lost. But now the saints live in sin equal to the lost that we're purporting to reach. Have we accomplished an objective? A shortcut to church growth? A shortcut to membership in the body of Christ by rejecting the sovereignty of Christ and redefining grace, a reinterpretation or redefinition of this wonderful word, grace. Jesus said, make disciples. Teach them to observe or obey everything I've commanded, and I'll build my church. So what did we do? We decided to build churches and have failed to teach obedience and therefore lawlessness prevails in God's own house. Now think about it. The premier behavioral characteristic of the end times is lawlessness. And, at least in the New King James Version, the Antichrist is called the lawless one. So those who succumb to the Antichrist spirit of political and religious correctness are also lawless. They're deceived by unrighteousness having pleasure in unrighteousness. I want you to think about the spiritual and moral consequences of this religious correctness in merely redefining and reapplying one simple word, and that is the word grace. First, the word obey has become the most hated word in the church, regardless of liberal or evangelical stripe. The very word that our Lord and his apostles used to describe God's standard for loving and pleasing him is now despised and denigrated by those who claim to be his followers, even from our pulpits. Here's another one. Those who attempt to teach or preach obedience to biblical standards or righteousness 
are intimidated to silence with allegations saying there's no grace in your message. The enabling power and favor of the God who declared my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness is no longer deemed adequate to do his will. Instead, the new PC or politically religiously correct grace approves or winks at our sin rather than strengthening us to overcome the enemy of our souls. So, in 1997... U.S. News and World Report, when it still had a print version of the magazine, the cover story, premarital sex, the sin Americans wink at. You know what Americans, they were really talking about? Professing Christians. They could not get any prominent Christian leader who was involved in the conservative movement, they couldn't get a single one to comment on the issue for the magazine. You know why? Because those leaders knew in their hearts that their congregations resembled exactly what U.S. News and World Report was talking about, and they didn't want to risk losing their members. So the spirit of lawlessness has progressively replaced the law of the spirit. The carnal or fleshly mind has replaced Christ-mindedness. Spiritual strength and moral stability have almost disintegrated now. And we now permit or justify, even approve, that which God prohibits. Can you see the, the problem here? So in reality, you may scream and holler and be upset about Joe Biden welcoming illegals, unqualified people into the country without going through the requisite legal procedure to become a citizen. And I agree with you. It is radically wrong what he's doing. It's lawlessness. But we're doing the same thing in our churches. And we've been doing it for a very long time now, 40, 50 years. And we see the horrific results of it. When poll after poll, book after book for the past 20 years has declared that for all practical purposes on the various issues of our time, Professing Christians' lives look very little different than the rest of the world. How did that happen? We've just discussed it. So just as the word gay has been redefined to put sodomy and homosexuality in a more favorable light before men, so grace has been redefined to substitute feelings for biblical faith and authenticate the power of culture over the power of Christ. Obedience, the evidence of our genuine trust in God, has been the casualty. And as the scripture says, they who live by their fleshly feelings cannot please God. It's a dangerous thing, friend, to be at enmity with, 
at enmity with God, isn't it? So this political correctness, religious correctness is insidious. It's a potentially fatal virus to your soul. Produces spiritual blindness and allows it to proceed systemically, corrupts the hard drive of our minds, prevents us from thinking biblically, and the unfortunate reality is that without repentance, you and or I will progressively arrogate our will over God's will until we are of a reprobate mind and are an illegal immigrant into the kingdom of God. In other words, not really in the kingdom of God. Not from God's viewpoint, that is. And whose viewpoint is it that really matters? Is it your denomination's viewpoint? Is it the culture's viewpoint? Even is is it your pastor's viewpoint? You see, pastors are required by God to be honest and faithful distributors of and declarers of the word of God without compromise, without any of this political correctness, without any of this mealy mouth stuff. It's time for some courage in God's house. If we want it to be God's house. I want to make a book available to you. This book has been, um, I I can't tell you how many people have gotten this book and read it over and over and over again. They've said it was one of the most practical books they ever read in applying the scripture in their lives, brought it to life. It's called Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It's an $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. It covers so many things, it would be impossible for us on the air in an hour to even begin to summarize it because there are so many ways that the enemy of your soul is using to try to seduce us in these times. Go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Get your copy, order, Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. You can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, Two three two five five. Again, if you're writing a check, at five dollars for postage and handling. Let me remind you: if you're in Massachusetts or Connecticut or in that general area, even up into New York and so on, Maine, uh, if you'd like to be part of this breakfast that we're putting on on August thirteenth in the morning at the Crestview Country Club in Agawam, Massachusetts, I urge you to make your reservations immediately. Immediately, go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org, or you can give us a call, if you would, at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Okay, now, words count, friends. They really do. I remember back 
the famous Dr. Robert Schuller, the one who started the Crystal Cathedral, had the Hour Power program. He was trying to lead evangelical pastors and would have an annual conference for them. And here's what he said not long before he passed. People don't need to be told that they're sinners. That's what he said. People don't need to be told that they're sinners. He called it abuse. The very thing that the Bible says he called abuse. He said they don't need more sin talk. All they need is more self-esteem. Oh, he bought into religious correctness through political correctness early on, my friends, because it was all about building a congregation. Not about building the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God was about righteousness. And you can't walk in righteousness without repentance, confession, repentance, acknowledgement of sin, and then walking in holiness from that day forward. And if and when we do sin, our hearts are breaking, they're convicted by the Holy Spirit, and we go to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am again, confessing our sin. And if we truly do that in a spirit of humility, seeking to walk in righteousness, he will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, all the unrighteousness is committed as of that day. This is an ongoing life, friends. It's called the life of holiness, of righteousness, of being set apart to the kingdom of God. I hope that describes you. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Go to the website, saveus.org. Make a generous gift there. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Do it today. Time is getting shorter and shorter. You notice that? Join with us. You might not personally be able to be on the air, but you can join with us as if you are. God bless you. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.